This episode of Live at the Benbow Inn is brought to you by Time Looter, Episode 1. Casey Atlas was good at picking pockets. It was one of the few things he'd ever bothered to do well. Casey was also tall, good-looking, ignorant, immature, spoiled, lazy, occasionally vicious, mind-blowingly shallow, and one of the first people ever to go back in time. He also liked cats and planned on robbing the Titanic. What could go wrong? In this first episode, Fenton Cooper, a highly suspicious character and the author of Time Looter, has written possibly the most socially unaware and politically incorrect time travel romp since time travel was invented. It's Back to the Future meets real genius in this pop culture illusion fest guaranteed to make you ashamed that you laughed so hard. Available in Kindle and paperback formats on Amazon.com. Uh, we can't hear you again. Oh, look at this. Volker's like, what's this here? Microphone. I don't know how to use this. It's, it's, I blame oh, the windmill. Good. Something's wrong with the windmill. Have you by any chance you lost your kitty? Have you by any you chance you lost your cat? Yes, I, I can hear you, Michael. I like to learn new things. Michael can hear us. Damn it, what the hell? I think we're having technical difficulties. Joe Negri, can you find the cat? I remember how kind she was to people when they would call her on the phone. That sounds like... Who the fuck is that? That's Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers has got some great ones. I, oh, here, hold on a second. This, I, is the, this is the best one. Uh, hold on a second. Uh... Let's see. When I was a little boy, I would watch my dad and my uncle and my granddad shave. I have a short videotape of her doing that, and I'd like you to see it. If you bring the batteries, <laughs> I'll bring the things that go with them. <laughs> I really wow. Know the oh, we lost wow, them. Wow, that's open, that's open to many <laughs> interpretations, huh? And then I like this one, too. Yeah, Bunker... Bunker gave up. He hung up. Oh, we don't have batteries inside of us that make us move and work. <laughs> it's deeper when you think about well, that. Well, some of us do. It's called alcohol. <laughs> we get some boozing going. Come on, Bunker. He's got to go squat. He's got to get on the exercise bike, get the lights back on for a few moments. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. <laughs> I always liked that idea. Did you see uh, Soylent Green? Do you remember that movie? It's been so long ago that I don't remember it. Okay, well, honestly. he's like, he's living with the, you know, uh, where is your God now, Moses? Uh, Edward G. Robinson. And they're in like a fucking studio <laughs> apartment and they power it up with like an exercise bike. And I never thought that was a bad idea. I didn't know why people wouldn't do that more often. Uh, well, I think, I think that, you know, eventually it, it may come to things like that. You know, Bunker's, Bunker's doing the, the rebel method right now, you know, because it's, uh, whether he wants to believe it or not, it's the you know, the the hippie fucking uh, thing to do. You know, people are, oh yeah, I'm green. I use solar panels, and I'm. But I think that you know, uh, eventually it, it may come to a point where you know, uh, people do use bicycles to charge their shit. You know. I mean, if you're going to be sitting on a bicycle anyway, you know, exercising, why not fucking have it? 
uh, rigged up so that it's charging a battery so that you can then plug your fucking laptop or your phone or whatever. That's an idea. We need to do that shit, man. Market it, fucking sell it, make a fucking mint. Well, that's what I always thought too. Cause I mean, like it's, you know, it's not going to be just like hippie bullshit or just, you know, uh, you know, bunkers, white separatism or whatever the hell he's doing down there. It's <laughs> in, what it would be is just that it becomes economically more feasible after time. I mean, it's just like, again, if you get like cheap solar panels and you can store on top of your house, why am I paying SoCal Edison? You know, I mean, why would I, again, through all these other means, I have to get my electricity. Why would I have to keep paying out for oil and all this kind of shit when other products and technologies are going to become cheaper and more available to actually keep down my bills? Again, the economy is yeah, going to no overtake shit. that shit. You know, it's just the only reason why, like, we got not, like, so many people are not doing this off-grid stuff is because you're getting weirdo fucking Republican states. They're putting in all these, like, anti-off-grid things that basically force people at gunpoint to keep them at the electrical companies, but... You know, sooner or later, that that dam's gonna break. Uh, yeah, case. it's gonna that's gonna come to an end. Those restrictions and those crazy things like that, I, especially those fucking places where you can't collect rainwater. What the fuck? What is that? What? Yeah, the, who oh, the fuck Florida. That's the greatest I, what one. Yeah. The fuck. Florida put in that rule. Yeah. All right, hold on. Or you can't grow garden. You can't have a garden in your yard, or you can't grow food in your yard. What the fuck? Who the fuck are you to tell me what the fuck I can do or not do on my land? If I want to grow some fucking carrots and potatoes, motherfucker, I will. That's what I've been saying for years. If I want to fucking, if I, I want to cook up a goddamn stew and serve it to homeless people, motherfucker, I will. I never got that. Hi, Did Michael. you see that fucking video? That's a fucking video. shit video, Michael. Hello, Michael. 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 Michael, Michael, up a you ever watch people using real heavy equipment? Well, when I was a young boy, I wanted to watch them all the time. When I was a young boy, I wanted to watch them all the time. I remember hello, one time hello, some of hello. our neighbors who were studying ballet dancing got dressed up to look like raccoons. <laughs> Michael, come on! Are you just there? Are you just fucking with us? He's probably just sitting there. He's got a scotch in hand, cigar in the other. Going, yeah. Hey, can you hear me now? Oh, oh, yeah. When yes. I said that, really, my God. Okay, your name What's is happening? Randy Hello? S. Caribou. I wonder if fish laugh Hello? or cry. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, Michael. Yes, Michael. We hear you. We hear you, Michael. You're oh. coming in loud and clear. Okay, so- Something's happening with my big, nice mic, and uh, when it's plugged in, it just, like, shuts everything down. Oh. Oh. Uh, Equipment difficulties. Yes, always the good excuse to ruin a podcast with. That's good. Hey, I'm here. I just unplugged the microphone, and now it works. You sound better without the microphone. You sound perfectly... When you were talking before, you sound like you're, like, talking from the bottom of a well. Well, I don't know. I don't know. This is a very expensive microphone, so it should work just fine. You're going to have to kick some ass at the Walmart, then, aren't you? What are you are you using it through your laptop? Yeah. Are, are you sure the drivers are up to date? Well, it just now yeah. popped up a little box and said that it couldn't find the driver. Ah, uh, yeah, you might just have to update the drivers later or something. Uh, that, yeah. That actually happened to me uh, when I first um, when I first used my uh, USB mic. Uh, it worked for a couple of times, and then I had something like that pop up, and I just had to go to the the manufacturer's website and download the latest uh, driver for Windows and it fixed it up just like that. If you bring the batteries, I'll bring the things that go with them. (laughs) Okay, that's just just fucking creepy, man. Stop that shit. 
All right, hey, listen. All right, welcome to another edition of Live at the Bembo Inn. I'm with uh, Todd Barsavalo. And Todd, introduce yourself. I my name is my name is disappointment and crippling doubt, and I don't know why I'm here. Randy S. Caribou. And Michael, yours? Fuck it, I know. Michael, introduce yourself. Yes. Yes. My name is Michael Bunker. All right. That's who I am. I'm a <laughs> well-known uh, farmer. Freelance DJ. Freelance DJ. <laughs> dancer. Yep, exactly. He DJ's off the back of cows, Electric yo. Boogaloo time is what right he there. is known for. Uh, he will be at any bat mitzvah you want him to be at within the Tri-County area. He's working Saturday and Sunday next week at the Winklesteins. I want to say this that again. Uh, shout out to my boy, Michael. You're doing a great job Holla. out there. Hey, hey, you know, I'm the best. The best what you do. Hey, you know what you're the best at what you do, too? Let me give you just a little compliment here for a second, pal. You're the best at being a writer. Okay. You know how I know you're the best at being a writer? Because I worked with you. And that's what the I episode's tell, all about. I, Seriously. Because I tell you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I'm constantly telling you. That's how you know. That, exactly. You keep pumping yourself up, and I'm it's buying true. it. I'm buying. I. It's you know, true. He is selling so much sizzle, and I've finally had the steak. You know what I'm talking about? That's right. No, <laughs> I just, you like, had the two every, every steak. Email, <laughs> every email. Just, every uh, every email to him starts with, uh, "Hey, uh, you know who I am, right?" Yes. And you know what I'm capable of. <laughs> and such, well, you have to put the re. You know, again, that right there is this really yeah. You know who I am. Part two. You know who I am. What I can do. Part three. You know what your family is capable of? <laughs> Nothing. Part four. Yeah. Hey, so anyway, we're all a group here right now, and this is a special episode because we're just going to talk about the thing we goddamn did uh, with uh, Fenton Cooper, who we'll get into a little bit later, uh, who is not here because uh, he apparently he's got a uh, business trip to uh, 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 somewhere in the Osaka. Asia's. Is he in Singapore or Osaka or Tokyo? There are no such things as real monsters. <laughs> you want to make a bet? Osaka. <laughs> no, he's in Singapore. Check under your bed, motherfucker. Hey, check in your closet. Check in your White House. Check in your government. They're all there. They're all real. Yeah. No, that's what I was just going to say. No, uh, he's actually in Singapore. He's, what's, actually, what's... he's actually in the little India part of Singapore. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. They have a big flea market. There is 12 different aisles of things, but the aisles are about a quarter of a mile long. And three quarters of a mile wide. Exactly. It is basically its own street corner. It's a real thing. You can look it up. Go look up Anthony Bourdain's latest episode of uh, 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 Ticket to Ride or No Food Elsewhere. or changing, I don't, I don't like it. He's name. an asshole. I like Anthony Bourdain. I, I, I like him. Yeah. I, 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 met, I met him in person. I met him, I I met him in person. Bullshit. Bullshit. You never met Anthony Bourdain I, in person. You never, I you did, never I met did, no Martin Luther the King. I swear to God. I, him, I met him here in Davao City. He was eating at Italiani's. And uh, I didn't approach him while he was eating. I waited until the, after, they, after he was done. He was with uh, five or six other people. I waited until after he was done. And I went up and I said, hey, you know, I really enjoy your shows. You got you got a good take on 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 things, and he's just like yeah, whatever, go the fuck away. He, he didn't say that, but he was just like yeah, yeah whatever, and and then just fucking walked away. He didn't even try to fucking say you know oh well thanks you know I appreciate you you know blah, blah blah. I was just like fuck this motherfucker. Maybe he had jet lag, and maybe you coming up with your social anxiety issues, going like me Jordan, I just wanted to say you're the best guy I've ever seen in the Philippines, and this is the first time I've seen you. Yeah, you probably that's what he said, right? 
I'm just saying that it's not mutually exclusive. You can be an asshole and still really good at what you do. Uh, what's speaking of you, right, Michael? Well, uh, <laughs> I was going to speak of my dad. My dad met Pete Rose in an airport. Yeah, and had the same same experience. And uh, I just keep telling him, you know, uh, he's still well, you know, four thousand one hundred twenty eight hits, Dad. It doesn't really matter what he thinks about you. <laughs> he's so can pull off. Yeah, I suppose that's true. You know, that's, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a true <laughs> thing with people because people always kind of equate that if you're an asshole, you can't be competent. But actually, then as House, the te- television series told us that yes, you can be very, very competent and save lives. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, He's and, not and, even and... American. Fuck him. Hey, you know, Martin Luther King, my dad met Martin Luther King. <laughs> this is a true story. He met Martin Luther King. He's walking down the street, feeling good, looking good. Came around the corner. Martin Luther King <laughs> popped him right in the chest, knocked him down flat, knocked the wind off his. The whole thing, right? Who, who, who the fuck is Marlon Luther King? Martin Luther the, the King. You don't even know who that is. Anyway. You you're, said you're, Marlon. You're over I said Martin. Marlon Luther King. Who the fuck is that? I don't See, you're ki- just making shit up now. You're just trying to be part it's of the brother. air crowd or something. It's, it's just Martin's brother, Marlon. Yo, yo, Ma. <laughs> and his other, his Charles other R. Aber. Lady Elaine Fairchild. <laughs> Lady Elaine Fairchild. What you talking about, fool? <laughs> Now, anyway, I was going to make a Coming to America joke, but I think I already telegraphed it. Okay, well, so. what's, the, what's, the, what's the name of this book we're supposed to be pimping today? Oh, Lime yeah, Tudor, you don't know anything it? about Lime it. Tudor? Yeah, Todd's never worked on this book before, obviously. Todd. Lime or something like that? Tutor? Is that how you Time say it? Lime Looter. Time Looter. So long as it's not being sold in Britain. Time Looter. <laughs> hey, listen, it's a great book. Uh, it's a fantastic book. It is a book that is a series of books. Well, not a series of books per se. It is a serial novel. That's what it is. Serialized. Todd. Serialized. Yes, that's what yes. Charles Dickens used to do. And Hugh Howell. Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot of people did that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 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 Turgenev did that. Um, 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 Hemingway did that with uh, Old Man in the Sea. He did the Old Man in the Sea as a serial bullshit. Yeah, I think it came out in the no, Atlantic. It's, yeah, it's true. It did in the Atlantic. Wow. Right. I see, yeah. I see all the greats. Hugh Howey, Martin Luther King, um, <laughs> again, uh, Meryl Streep. They all came out with serial novels over the years. Actually, people don't know this, but Sophie's Choice was actually a serial novel by Meryl Streep. <laughs> so you yeah, it came out in the Inquirer. Well, hey, hey, you know what? At least they were like, you know, printing some edgy shit back in the day instead of like, you know, can you believe Obama has thirteen Muslims in the cabinet? All the Muslims. Yeah. Why is he keeping people in a cabinet? That's just fucking wrong. <laughs> That's what I said too. But I had to, you know, you got to buy a copy of National Enquirer to get on board with that. So I don't know. Ah. Yeah. Well. Hey, but anyway, so yeah. So the time looter thing. Um. How do we describe Time Looter, Michael? Uh, well, how? What was the genesis first? I think we were just we were working on another no. project. No, no. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. He just says no. I, you tell your version of it, and then I'll tell the truth. <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, look, okay. So Time Looter, we were talking about it uh, with uh, when we were working on Pennsylvania, and I think we started spitballing. Well, first you were like, you know what, we should do something kind of serialized. That was your contribution and i think that was the last contribution you had to the entire story was that we should uh, that, uh, give or give or take okay so then you're just like what yeah i'll set 730 hours yeah yes four thousand hours in flight yeah he was 78 hours travel the world around, around the world 
So you're going to tell the story? You want me to tell the story? I'm going to tell a story. Okay, so then we... All right, so then I came up with... We started spitballing ideas. I think originally we were thinking about doing, like, a Mars novel almost. We were going to do colonization or something like that. And then we kind of, like, dropped that because we got bored. What happened? Well, we had two. uh, And I still have the cover for the first one, which I still want to do, by the way. Which is, there we fixed it. Yes, yeah, and, there we and every, it, that's every, right. uh, every chapter or episode was going to be a problem of the world that the world was dealing with, and you and I were going to fix the problem. No, you fix it with sheer force, brains, a little bit of a pizzazz. Right. Yeah. A little, a, bit, a little of Shazam. Yep, exactly. A little sprinkle of this and that. I think we're also going to talk about how we're going to fix jazz music, because I don't think we've ever appreciated so, post-1959 jazz. So you were going to gay it up, is that what you're saying? Oh, you got to well, go cheap gonna, jokes. He was huh? going to do that. I, I'm too masculine to do huh. that. But um, We don't have so, batteries inside of us that make us move and work. Would you, would you tell the story? <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm able to tell the whole story if you don't want to do it. No, no, all right. So the story was, we were like, there we fixed it. And then we got bored of that. And then, we well, first we we're going to talk about how going to Mars was a stupid idea. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. We, still, we have that episode written. Yeah, we do actually. Yeah, there is actually that yeah. could maybe come out one day where we just have this very anti-Mars approach. I've never appreciated that planet. I think that is the worst of the planets. I think it makes the solar system look bad. But yeah, so yeah. uh, it's yeah. an embarrassment of planets. Yeah, this is stupid. This, you know, this is the black sheep of the goddamn solar system. But um, mm-hmm. where yeah. the fuck is John Freighter when I need him? Goddamn it! I well, can't fucking he... think of anything to say. You can think, we're telling the story, so anyway, okay, so we did that, and then I think I told you my dream about getting locked on the Titanic and about to drown. Right. Yeah, and then that, and then you're just like, wow, that's really fucking weird, and then we just like, hey, why don't we do something about time travel and stuff like that? Well, here's how it works. Uh-huh. <laughs> you said it just like that, too. Yeah, yeah I want to tell the, tell the, he had most of the story right. We, we've actually, there was actually a, another project between, there we fixed it and this one. That we didn't get very. That I think it was just the idea part, and then uh, then we were working on Pennsylvania, and we were actually working on screenplay of Pennsylvania, and then I got fired from the screenplay of Pennsylvania, and we both were saying, "Hey, well, we still would like to do a screenplay." So, Time Looter started off. We were going to write a screenplay. We were going to write a screenplay. So, I thought we were just going to go right into the serial novel. I don't remember that. This no, is, no, uh, no. This is no, revisionist we, history. We have, no, because I, I was told by the, the producer of Pennsylvania that because I was booted off of Pennsylvania that I could have an open door to pitch another project. I have a short so videotape of her doing that, and I'd like you to see it. <laughs> Would you stop? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I told you had the idea of, uh, of waking up on the, on, the, on the Titanic. Yeah. And I said, let's do that. And we, 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 the first idea was we were going to do it as a screenplay. Yes. And then okay. the next day, I messaged you in the morning and I said, she is more likely to want to buy it if we write this as a serialized, episodic novel. And then um, they can actually see the, the visual aspects of it. And then that's when we got started with Time Leader. Okay, yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah. Well, hey, by the way, was the Martian a serialized novel or no? Did he just put it out at once? No, the the very 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 first uh, version was serialized on his website. Okay, so that was, that was way back at the very beginning. Okay, so that's interesting. So yeah, we're on a kind of a growing trend here. It seems that a lot of people like to put it out as a serialized thing, and yeah, so we started going. 
Uh, I think I came up with the first, well, no, actually we came up with an outline. We went back and forth on that one. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't know, like, um, me personally, uh, again, I guess you have to almost do it pretty much as an outline if you're going to work with someone else. But personally, I hate doing outlines. Like I get basically general ideas and like maybe some character ideas, but I've never yeah, that, actually done that an outline. Shows your work. Hey, you look, hey, you keep it fast and loose. Okay. <laughs> you pay back and forth. All right. Yeah, because you know what? Here's the thing. Yeah, you guys can be a couple sore asses about this, but think about this for a second. If I don't know where the story's going to go, the reader sure as hell is not going to know where the story's going to go. Right? Well, yeah, I think suppose, every seven-year-old I think every seven-year-old with a pin thinks that as well. Yeah, oh yeah, but uh, um, I have good stuff. I get good reviews. Don't talk down to me. You just compared your writing to a seven-year-old. Hey, look, <laughs> Forbes is smart, you know. People say I'm dumb, but I'm smart. <laughs> anyway, no, I, th I think we had a good idea, and I think what needed to happen though is when we are going to do it episodically, which means people are actually going to be reading a part before we even write the next part, or before we write maybe the third part after that. This is why with Osage Two Diamonds, um, Amazon's putting out a part, so it's actually going out to the readers. You got to be real careful. You really can't pants that too much. Um, you, you need to make sure that you're putting stuff in the first part. That's going to pay off three or four parts down the road. Well, and also kind of, you know, the thing is, is that you got to have, I mean, when, what I kind of was thinking too, is that when we were writing this, <clears throat> um, you know, we really had set some things in stone that you can't go back and fix. Like, for example, like I can think of maybe some other like scenarios, little differences we could have done possibly in the part one. But again, we're kind of like locked in and it's like it's good that we actually took the time to actually go forth and edit and do, uh, you know, kind of do draft right. after draft to make sure it's actually that's polished and really actually good, which it definitely is, which I'm very, very happy right. about. But that takes a little bit of uh, that takes some uh, effort there. That's uh, that's not something that uh, how do you put it? Uh, you can't just like rush out an episode and think it's going to work right. We, it, it would took a lot more extra work, I think, than I would normally do on just like a first part of a book. Just because of right. the fact that we can't go back and we can't just mess around with it back and forth. I think it actually was right. more difficult. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree with you. It's, um, I, you know, I've, I've done both, and I do both. Uh, you know, I, I pant some stories, and especially short stories. But, you know, it's, it's just like the second, like if you're doing a, a series on your own, like I did Pennsylvania and I'm writing Oklahoma, um, once you get into the second book, you got to be a lot more careful. Uh, that you're you're not just you know oh and then this happened you know it's not it's not just uh, impromptu uh, as much because you have things that you have to do to get to where you're going to get where, where you want to get yeah and also there's a continuity thing as well because you know it's kind of like writing episodes for a television series I mean it's like if certain things happened before you can't just ignore them or skip past them or just you know you or gotta... change their names like a guy I wrote with and I won't say his name but it rhymes with kick null ha. Uh, he had uh, he had four characters in the book named Tom. <laughs> I I I yeah that that I the wow that would be confusing after a while. Was it a surreal novel? Was it? No, no, it was it was it was it was straight. It was realistic, and 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 there was there was four Toms and a Tim, and um, so we had to go through, and I had to I had to sort that out, and and actually give those characters different names. But that happens a lot with uh, Forbes West, too, who um, gives a character in Chapter 1 a name with Max as his last name. 
And then in chapter three, Max is now his first name. Hey, that's why you get the big bucks there, though, Bunker. You go in there and you start doing all the editing, and then it's just like it pays off. Hey, listen, I'm the idea man, okay? I, I am the guy who goes out there. I got the creativity behind me, okay? I got the I got the soul, man. Okay, you're the guy, you're, you're the music producer who's going in back. It's like, oh, I think the sound levels on microphone number two are a little bit off. Mm. That's exact. You got oh. it right, though. That's exactly right. You are a good ideas man. Thank I always you. tell people that. Thank like, no matter you. whatever else I say about you, I say he's an all, ideas all, man. Besides all the backbiting, all the sly little innuendos. Yeah, thank you for that. Right, I appreciate. You that. are a good ideas man. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, what else too? Uh, I mean, also when we were brainstorming this as well, just kind of go back a second. I mean, I think we. How did we come up with the character Casey Atlas, the main character? I'm just trying to say. We, did I we think just this was a, a product of some arguing because uh, this is not a normal character that, and I didn't create the character, but it's not a character I would create. Yeah, because so, he, um, he's much more of an know, asshole character than you usually have in your stories, and he's much more antisocial than I think you see. This is Marty McFly with a coke habit, I would say. Yeah, and it's like um, he's not just. Uh, He's actually a complicated character. At first, when I first you know read the first draft, I thought, well, this this guy's too paper thin. But when you actually get to know Casey, he's actually much smarter than um, than he acts because yeah. of uh, reasons in his life. He's got uh, there's things going on there. I mean, it's it's actually a deeper character, and people will see that as the series unfold. But it's not a character I would have ever created who had you know who's so unsocial that you would think that somebody, and I told you this yeah. when I first read it, I said, somebody would have killed this guy. Somebody, or this guy would, <laughs> it would have been, somebody would have just beat the crap out of this guy. Or, or And you said, no, no, stick with it. Stick with it. It'll, it'll, and I think it does work. I think it works. But that was my first instinct was I'm from Texas, went to high school in Odessa, which is where, you know, the show Friday Night Lights originated. And um, a guy like that would not have uh, fared well. Or, or a guy like that would move to the Philippines, have the first name Todd, and become an editor, right? Yeah, yeah become an editor, have budgies. Ha, and Todd's, Todd's I'm, like, I'm sorry, were you guys talking about me? Ah, you walked into it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I, you. I, I would just like to say from you know from an editor standpoint that no. um, Casey, Casey Atlas is a, a very deep character. Uh, on, on the surface, he does appear uh, a bit shallow uh, in his interactions with others, but you're absolutely right. I I, I believe that um, as the, the story progresses, it's going to we're going to see um, uh, different sides of him. At least that's my hope uh, as an editor. Anyway, that's no, my hope. Yeah. No, that's actually uh, not going to um, go anywhere. We're just going to. He's got gonna... a lot of shit. He's got a lot of shit going on internally um, that we only just see little glimpses of uh, in this first in this first episode. You know, especially like with his interaction with his uh, with his uncle. Uh, and that whole uh, arc there about the inheritance and and, and that stuff. It, uh, it's comedic. He, he is. He's a, he's a deep and sad character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but and I also agree that you know, um, if he was a uh, real world, he'd be a statistic. Whatever city yeah. he was in, he'd, just, <laughs> he'd be a murder statistic. Somebody would have fucking killed him. <laughs> I think we did a pretty good job actually sticking the landing on that because I think a lot of times people. Especially, well, I, I should not say people. I should say authors uh, have a tough time trying to make an extremely complicated character like that that's antisocial without making it into a cartoon. That's like really most right. of the time they just take the easy way out and it's just like, 
oh, well, it's like he's antisocial and, you know, people don't get along with him. Oh, LOL, that's the whole thing. You know, it's like a one-shot thing. <laughs> but if you look at it, like, uh, for example, like one of my favorite shows, it's Eastbound and Down, right? Eastbound and Down right. has Kenny Powers played by, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, crap. He, he's a funniest old guy. Uh, Danny, uh, no. Danny McBride? Danny uh, McBride. Yeah. So Danny McBride, and what's cool about the show is that he, yeah, he's a total asshole throughout it, but there's, he is a good enough actor that he can actually pull off moments where you actually feel bad for the character, and it actually seems sort of realistic, even though, again, he's a giant goddamn, you know, racist, well, out-of-control yeah, cartoon. Michael from The Office is another one, um, you know, uh, and the original, which was uh, Ricky Gervais in the original Office, Yeah, was, was that kind of character, who, you know... Sometimes you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe anybody even stays in that office. And then, you know, he has these moments where you realize he's a real person and uh, uh, just screwed up. Yeah, and I think it's just that you know. I like, thought I thought the 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 Steve Carell version was just too cartoony most of the time, though, especially in the later seasons. Or before, didn't he leave? Didn't he leave towards the end? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like for Ferrell me, he was the worst part of the fucking show. He was the worst part of the show. I. I uh, didn't like him at all. <laughs> I get what you're trying you to say, original, though. You know, did you watch the, the Ricky Gervais? I haven't. I haven't. I'll, that's probably something that's been on my list for a long time now, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Most people who want orange juice have to <laughs> buy it in the store. But, yeah, you know, I, that's the thing. The Stephen Carell thing... Like, yeah, because what happens a lot of times with those characters, too, is that, again, they get lazy with it, and then it turns into cartoonish, and then it's just like they get, uh, there's a term on the internet, um, uh, flanderized, which is, you guys, yeah, flanders. Yeah, because it's like, you, have you guys ever gone on to tvtropes.org? That's a good one for writers as kind of a resource. There's a lot of good stuff on there. It's very nerd, right. nitpicky kind of stuff, obviously, but, I mean, there's a lot of, like, the treasure troves of resources when it comes to like uh, characters and plot elements and settings and things like that. It's really pretty well done. Anyway, I, that's one of the terms is flanderized, where it's like you take a character and then you just made it to, to an extreme dorky angle without any kind of sense of reality. And I think we totally have, so far we've avoided that. Maybe we'll we'll screw it up in the later episodes. You know, Michael will drop the ball and I'll get bored. And then all of a sudden we got like this whole embarrassing thing that we put out and our dreams are dashed. And uh, Todd? <laughs> Don't worry. I'll try to fix it. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting with a character like that. First of all, I don't, I don't like characters that don't change. And that's, that's what TV does is it wants, once that character gets caricatured, then, it, then and it, it, they're constantly trying to do the same thing. Well, especially on like character. primetime TV. Primetime TV is really fucking terrible about it. Like... If you have an HBO or AMC series like Mad Men or uh, Breaking Bad, Sopranos, you see characters actually have full-on arcs. Like uh, even minor characters will all of a sudden start changing because the writers are adults and they know that people change over time. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's you know the seeds of that uh, uh, with uh, with Casey are already there. You know, you see that he he's. Um, and I know people like this, and, and I may at some level may have even been like this a little bit, and that is that you, you can get away, when you're very smart, you can get away with being dumb. You know? <laughs> because it, because you, know, yeah. you know just how much you can do to stay under the radar or, you know, just, right. just enough to get by. You, 
And if you don't, people dump responsibilities on you. You know, people pick you That's out of sad. a lineup. People, you know, in school, I was a C student in school. In fact, I met um, you guys know uh, about Chris Awa. We wrote WIC together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we were both we were both in um, academic decathlon in high school, and he was the A student. They have uh, two A students, two B students, two C students who have high intelligence. That's how they pick them. I was the C student, and he was the A student. But I, you know, I got through school by figuring out what was the least, what is the the lowest thing I have to do and get by. And yeah. I see, I see that in Casey though. He's like, he's been able to uh, avoid responsibility because even his uncle and his dad were like, "Oh, you dummy." Okay, well here's some money. <laughs> right. Well, this is like you a know, way. This is a, a story like a, about a person I know that uh, they had to write a science paper. Right. Um, it was. Uh, it was something they were in the uh, college courses and they were taking, I think it was, they were getting like an engineering degree. This guy was really, really freaking smart. And they, they were doing something about, like, he would actually did kind of, in a weird way, circle on back for a second. Like, he was actually doing a paper on Mars, I think, and something about, I don't know what the hell it was, but he was in a jam. He'd been screwing around for a long time and he didn't have uh, his paper really ready to go and he was just going to, like, maybe do, like, copy and pasting. Basically plagiarize the shit out of it. But then at the last second, the professor came up with this thing that I think they use more and more now in, uh, in the universities where you had to run your paper through this website program. And then it basically was, like, a like an anti-plagiarism thing. It was, like, a figure out in a second, like, you know, if you're just copy and pasting shit, right? So he said, well, screw it. I, I used to use something like that. Yeah, so I mean, like they, they had, then the program still around, probably even better than ever. And he put, he, before he put it in, he's like, "Oh crap!" I, you know, I just copy and paste this. Okay, never mind. If I just make up everything, it's not plagiarism, right? If I just make up quotes from books that don't exist, that's not plagiarism. And that's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the kind of that's thing actually, Casey would do, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty creative. Yeah, it's just I, I got a kick out of that one too, and I just, that kind of reminded me of your stories. Is that yeah, there's certain people. This uh, uh, well, what was exactly the quote you said, Michael? That was a good one. It was uh, the so smart they can play dumb or so something like that. Yeah, uh, uh, dumb uh, smart people are smart enough to play dumb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. I think that's sums up Casey pretty well. Yeah, uh, and there's a there's a there's a reward system. It's it's just like Pavlov's dog, or you know the the mice that they would give uh, cocaine in the '70s to see how it affected their brain. Mm -hmm. You know, and and if you if you act dumb, and so people don't make you do something, but they give you money, which is Casey's situation, uh, to make you go away, then that's the incentive to continue to do that and to continue continue to screw up. And to make bad decisions because that's what's causing people to give you things. And uh, I think that uh, there's very much a, a, a mirror of, of kind of Trump, you know, uh, <laughs> who gets through life being rewarded for um, because, you know, it's almost like uh, Biden is uh, much the same way. You know, they, oh, that's just Joe being Joe. You know, so people people let you skate by. You get away with it because of the, uh, because they think you're just a shitty person. Yeah, just like certain, like for whatever reason, with like charm or background or whatever, I think Biden skates by on charm. Uh, Trump skates by on his background and the you know daddy handing out a bunch of money and him not realizing how he could actually blow it all yet. Um, yeah, I just uh, there's a certain type of personality that just gets away with shit and it's just like that deeply entitled 
kind of asshole personality that we've all run into. And then a lot of times we still wonder how they're still breathing. But, yeah, they, they, they just keep on trucking. Yeah, uh, I've thought I, that uh, once or twice about you, Forbes. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Look, <laughs> I would just... If you, if you saw the drafts he turned in, you would understand exactly where the character of Casey came from. <laughs> hey, uh, talking about some other characters, too... Um, Pretty much, I think he's got a nice surrounding cast of them. I, I, Dooley and Max, I think, are great. I think Dooley and Max are like throwbacks to uh, the Egon and uh, what's his face, um, uh, Dan Aykroyd yeah. from uh, Ghostbuster. Yeah. yeah, but what was his name in the movie? There's Egon and what the? Uh, uh, oh, I just call him that other guy whose name I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's always uh, no. Egon and that other guy whose name I can't remember. Congratulations! Let me Google it. Yeah, go look that up for us. But anyway, Dan Aykroyd and Egon, and Egon's dead now, which is a shame. But I think they're kind of a throwback to those yeah. kind of characters, and that's what I love too, because it's like they're they're the geniuses that come up with stuff, and they don't really. I there's never really a solid explanation of how freaking smart they are, but apparently they're so smart they can come up with you know, unlicensed nuclear accelerators on their backs. You know, just, <laughs> it just, that's pretty smart. Yeah, it's pretty freaking smart. Yeah, it's just that they're also just nerdy as hell, and that they, uh, uh, I, I think it's kind of a good back and forth between them and Casey because Casey's, uh, again, the uh, asshole entitled uh, snarky type, and then they're the type that's just like, yeah, they live in their own like little universe, so to speak, and uh, but they come up with some some nifty shit. Um, I think, uh, but what's good about this novel, though, is that it's not so much plot-driven, however. It's not like all of a sudden, like, you know, this whole thing is put on. It's just like, uh, uh, you know, again, like, the, the uh, how do you say, like, the plot driving the whole, uh, I love my trends. I can't even speak right today. This is, uh, this is nothing to make it's the, sense. Uh, it ain't, it's, and it only man. makes common sense. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, it's not so plot-driven. The characters are all one pushing forward the entire story. It's not just, like, again, you know, oh, here's the plot, we're going to follow it, and then that happens. It's like characters are having real interactions with each other and real reactions to their events. They're not just following along for a ride. They're not just, like, thrown on top of a roller coaster of a story, and then it's like, oh, they're going to come out the other end. No, these characters keep bouncing off each other like billiard balls, and they're going to go in different directions and... Uh, do different things, and uh, I think that's going to be interesting to see how they play out as well. Well, and there's things that are planted in there, you know, that I think people are really going to like. And, uh, you know, for example, Carl, the uh, the janitor uh, from uh, uh, Breakfast Club, <laughs> who's, uh, yeah, that's just a, in and itself, I think that's a brilliant scene. Uh, I think it's a brilliant little vignette, and we're not done with Carl. So, you know, um, uh, a lot of stuff like that that pe- people as the you know as the as more parts come out and uh, more seasons come out, I think that uh, people are really going to appreciate some of that stuff that was planted in the first part. Yeah, there's nice Easter eggs, and then they're all going to be uh, sprouting pretty soon. I think to mix metaphors terribly. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that that that's going to be the next thing that's going to be coming out. Is just that you're going to see these little moments. Everything's going to play out. Uh, by the way, too, like, um, this kind of, I think, just to talk about the writing process as well. Um, Todd, when you got to look at our stuff, editing-wise, were you just aghast? Were you in horror? Or were you happy? I, it, it, it took all my willpower not to, to, to swallow my Glock. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I was, you know, 
30 seconds away. I, the only thing that saved me, my crippled budgie poppy was sitting there looking at me with this. I had this gun in my mouth and this budgie is looking at me and I could hear what he was thinking. Oh, fuck. Who's going to feed me when he's gone? I love so, my life. You know, uh, I have a wonderful family. Birds eat meat, man. I said, the bird was sitting there watching with a gun in your mouth. He's like, go ahead. I, yeah, I feed, I feed, I feed them. Uh, <laughs> I feed them boiled chicken sometimes. If we have, yeah, bird, uh, if we bird, make, just look uh, at your body and chicken. go. Oh, I'm eating for a while. <laughs> I always well, like, the, pro- the problem with the problem with Poppy is, uh, you know, he was uh, born uh, splayed. Split, his legs are splayed, so oh, he cannot yeah. walk. He cannot fly, so he can't move really that that well. I mean, he can get around, but he can't climb and do all that stuff. So that's why I, you know, uh, no. But, but what was your question again, Forbes? I kind of fucking forgot. I just said, well, like, as in the editing process, I mean, like, how did you think about it? I mean, how did you, or how do you, how do you approach something that was edited by two authors, so to speak? I mean, are you looking to see, like... Uh, no, it was not edited by two authors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Written by two authors. Oh, my God. But, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I would like to to think, or I, I guess I should say I hope that, you know, every manuscript that comes across my desk is has been self-edited, uh... That's not always the case, but I, the, the manuscript, uh, as I saw it the very first time, was really very clean. Um, I think uh, most of this, most of the work that I did on it was just a little bit of, uh, you know, add-on kind of developmental stuff. Not that really that much, though. It was just little, little bits here and there that I felt like, you know, maybe uh, enhanced enhance the story. But it was, it was uh, grammatically, it was really clean. Uh, there was some punctuation stuff, but. I, I think the punctuation stuff that I fixed was just to make it more of the style uh, that I'm used to uh, working with. Um, for example, like um, uh, getting rid of semicolons and using um, M dashes instead, little things like that. But no, it was in good shape. It was in good shape. I can I can believe Bunker's claim of having spent 7,342 hours working on that before giving it to me. $1.3 trillion. The reason why I brought that up, I mean, it's just that I, I think a lot of people don't ever really look at the editing process too much when it comes to uh, novels being put out. I think most of the time people think that shit just gets willed into magic and then all of a sudden it comes out in the bookstores. They don't realize how much of a well, process gonna, after gonna, the original I'm writing. Just gonna, I'm just going to say this. If the editor has done his or her job properly, then the reader should never have to think about that. Uh, and I think that that should be the truth for, you know, every editor and every book that you pick up. If the editor's done their job properly, you shouldn't be thinking, oh, well, shit, there should have been a period there. That should have been a comma or there should be a, com-. you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So, you know, and, and, that's but, my hope. That's and, my hope. And, when and, I, and for, uh, you know, for Forbes and me, it's like punctuation is random. You just throw those things in there just to keep people uh, alive, to keep them, let them know that you're still there. You know, you just put it, just throw a comma in there. Right. You know, heart stop, right. bam, ready to go. Throw a semicolon wherever you want it. <laughs> That's the way we work. I, you know, I, I can't really argue with that. I was gonna, I was gonna bring up a funny soundboard, but I really can't say anything because it's just like I just do what I do. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I kind of um, also too. I think there was well. I mean, when I was writing it, and probably Michael would be like, "Oh yeah, I really freaking noticed that." Uh, stream of consciousness is kind of a good thing too. I think that we outlined it just enough, but at the same time too, the outline was broad enough that we could actually just throw in random scenes. 
Like, for example, like Casey with his uncle, I don't think that was really put down as a scene somewhere inside the outline. Um, I think- no, no, and I think that was brilliant. I think him going back to the, uh, Casey going back to the, uh, to the graveyard uh, was not in the outline. Yeah. And that, to me, that was just brilliant. It, 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 you know, to me, that was the first sign that I had that Casey was, uh, there's something going on in there other than just narcissism. Right, right. There was more depth there. Yes, right. something else was at work there, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that I think we have, I think both me and Michael's style actually works really complementary to each other because Michael, again, outline, getting it focused on, and like having like a really kind of wide ranging idea. But again, it's just enough that I can throw in my randomness without being so random. This it kind of we balance each other out, I think, pretty well. And I think that comes across yeah. in the story. I, yeah, I agree. It was like, uh, I, I was like, uh, okay, we need to have a scene where uh, Casey uh, throws uh, Jack and Rose off the ship from <laughs> Titanic. You know? Yeah. I mean, that was just, it, that's just <laughs> funny in and of itself. And uh, he sees Jack and Rose from uh, Titanic and something happened. And that's all I told uh, told Forbes. And so how, how it turned out and, and the, and I think that there's some uh, emotional it's it's funny, but it's also there's some emotional power to it. Yeah, uh, was was what Forbes did with it. Yeah, there's some dark funny, but there's also some hard hitting <laughs> stuff in there too. Um, yeah, I think it's just when I was reading it, you know, when the last time before we kind of hit publish on it, um, I didn't seem like it was either mine or yours, and and hence, I mean, I guess we have to give this up to Mister Fenton Cooper, who is in Singapore and he can't be right. on the show because he's not real, but. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, it's just... What the fuck is wrong with you? Did you just have a seizure? Fenton <laughs> Cooper is about to uh, send gray market, gray market Mercedes to America. I will immediately terminate. But, yeah, uh, I don't even know where I was going with that soundboard joke. I'm just hitting random ones now. Uh, That's what your father said, but your mom said no to abortion. Oh, my God. That's just, you're, you're a terrible person. Wow. And now they're beating I us... Know. And that is a nation. I don't even know what I'm doing now. I'm just so upset by your comment there, Todd. You're gonna have to edit that out. You're disgusting. Are you, are you, You're a goddamn you, pig. I will not. I will not. I'm going to make it my. my it's going to be a sound. The good thing about that is that there was uh, there was a long long silence after it, so it'll be easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of dead air after that. I point. was I was you know just for just a minute I was like oh god did I go too far did I go too far and then I was like ah it's Forbes I didn't go too far it's not ever far enough. <laughs> But what I was saying before the rude comments was that uh, it didn't seem like either one. It didn't seem like my book or your book. It seemed like something else completely different, which actually I was extremely yeah. happy about. I, I, this is one of the things too. The people I don't think maybe the layman's out there don't realize. You know, the little people, the low people, right. the peasants of right. the earth. They don't yes. realize that the uh, layman's. I don't know about you, but the, like the, really, really. The layman's. The layman's. Say that? The layman's. Yeah, I will say the layman's. I will say whatever I want. Okay. The layman's. Seriously. Boy. China. Look. Why I, you gotta fuck up the word with an S on the end, you fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I lost my train of thought there, but now I'm back on board. Okay. <laughs> my, my whole thought is, is that again, most writers get sick of reading their stuff for the twelfth time after they're editing it, right? 
I mean, Michael, don't you at a certain point, like, oh, my God. I mean, it's like, it is work. That's what people don't think realize. I think they oh, yeah. just think that we just kind of, like, you know, we get behind a keyboard. You know, we're like Todd. We jerk off for a couple moments, and then we send it in. You know? That's yeah, not true. I, I think that, uh, you know, it's difficult for different people, too. You know, I think um, uh, I'm, I'm somebody that I've never, I'm never satisfied with it. So I do get very tired of it. Um, I, I go read it again, and I'm like, oh, you know, this isn't working. Or I'm very self-critical. And uh, at some point, I just got to cut it off and go, I got to send it in. Uh, you know, I, I go back and read some stuff that I've written, and I'm like, I cannot believe that I didn't do, like, five more rounds of editing. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's an exhausting process. I mean, I always compare writing to a marathon. You know, I mean, right. it's just like, it's not a sprint. It's not like something that you can just, like, pump out. You got to keep doing this shit over and over and over again. You do about 13 times yourself, or if you're me, maybe, like, one and then you send it over to Todd, and then you just you know, Mine's just honesty. And, yeah. And then you pray wow. to you pray to Todd, you know, and Todd just you know he sacrifices a couple of chickens in the closet, and then like out comes a novel, you know. Uh, yeah. Close just, enough. It, it's it's just, it's a lot of work there, and it really is. And I think that again, I was impressed about the fact that like when we got done with it, it's like nope, this is not, this is not anything like I've done before. I don't think it's anything Michael's done before. Todd. No works with children i don't know what he does so no nah, he's never done this before and uh, I think this no, is it's, it's, it's a fenton book. cooper book uh i think yeah. you know it definitely became something else i don't think anybody that's read my stuff is going to look at this and go yeah this is a michael bunker book but i think it's hilarious i told my wife third or fourth time reading through it i was still laughing out loud yeah and, I and just... that, that happens with with your own stuff and i've written comedy i've written uh humor and after a while it's just not funny to you it's still funny to other people but I was still laughing out loud and sometimes in tears uh, as I was reading it. Yeah, no, I, I felt the same way too. That last draft, I was just cracking my own ass up. And th that sounds like, again, real like narcissistic talk. Like, you know, like, oh my God, I wrote this with another guy and I'm still laughing. My God, I'm so I, funny. I, I'm Jerry yeah, Seinfeld, is, circa is, 1997. Uh, this, is, this is genuinely something special. It really is. Uh, and... I think as more people read that and the word spreads about it, it's it's going to become evident that this is something very special. It's not your ordinary run-of-the-mill comedic novel. It's not your ordinary run-of-the-mill time travel. Uh, it's something wholly different, uh, and it is something that's very, I can't say it enough, special. It's very unique, and it has... I, you know, and I'm at a loss for fucking words how how to say it, but this is uh, something fucking special. God, gosh, darn it! There, thank you, thank you. Thanks for not ruining <laughs> the whole speech much. with an abortion joke. You goddamn pig! Don't don't bang your head on the desk trying to take a bow, Forbes. You fucking. <laughs> <idiot>. <laughs> I just, um, yeah, I think it's a very special book. Number one, and it, we're gonna have, uh, you know, and I. Can any? By the way, this is a real this a pop quiz here. Hot shots. Do we remember how many parts we're supposed to do? I always forget. Uh, four so, in the first season, but that's just the first season. That's just the first season. Yeah, and we we'll see where our adventures takes us elsewhere in the next season. But yes, there's only four for this season. That's right. And the next one, we're roughly again. Don't hold us to us exactly, but I think what was our next one? We we're supposed to come out. Do we have an idea, Todd? You're supposed to be the one enabling us, Todd. I think it's the 20, 20, 20th or the 25th or something like that. I'd have to look. On, I'd have to that's, look. That's when it's due. I don't think that's when it's coming out. Is it? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't think that it won't come out then. But that's when. Uh, so maybe. Uh, Again, don't maybe, hold us. I, I think maybe it's safe to say first first of February. Yeah, somewhere in there. Okay, that sounds. Yeah, Wait. that sounds about sort of right. I mean, uh, Michael has the second draft right now, which he is looking at, or not in the second draft, but the uh, second episode right now. Michael, are you reading it right now, or are you just ignoring me and just making up your own stuff and then pass on to Todd, and then I'm going to get screwed over in the end? No, 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 I'm reading it. I'm, I'm, uh-huh. I'm definitely uh, yeah. coming up with some ideas, uh, mm-hmm. things that I want to want to do, but I, I think it's good. Good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that sounds really enthusiastic there, Michael. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is like you typed it with your face, and I'm pretty sure that English is not your uh, first language. That's one, the one thing I've noticed again and again, I will, is that I, I'm studying Spanish, and you do tend to invert phrases uh, like someone who's not a native English spe- speaker. But other than that, I think the story is good. Other than you being borderline retarded, I think we got something here, Forbes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah, that, that too, Michael. That sums it up nicely. I, I will let you know that I was on a complete bender when I wrote that. I was there was so oh, much. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> we had the Joker laugh there for a second. What was that? <laughs> I mean, this is the sound. Cavalier sounded more like the penguin. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the penguin laughing about his new scheme to like to, to, uh, make the whole earth an ice calf. <laughs> there goes the lung. There goes. Oh, there's the second one. Need another transplant. Uh, uh, yeah, so again, we got more parts coming out. I think it's freaking good. Um, also, I'd just like to share, too. Michael, of course, knows this. Todd, I don't know if we made that clear or I kind of told you, but... A lot of the setting for this is actually in uh, my basic hometown of Seal Beach and Long Beach. Now, for you who are not geographically inclined, that is in Southern California, uh, Long Beach is about, well, because traffic is now nearing horror proportions, so we're talking about 45 minutes to go to downtown LA. Back when I was growing up, it took about like maybe 20, 30, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's because it's the illegal immigrants got all their cars and they're, they're free Obama cars, and that, that's why our freeways are getting jammed up, according to a person I know. Oh, I thought it's because they were standing out there selling oranges. Uh, well, they're selling oranges and they're new Obama cars, you know, and then they're, they're taking up all the health care that, uh, you know, I had a whole conversation about this. This was explained to me in detail that uh, the reason why traffic is bad is because the illegals and their new cars, you know, they get their fancy Cadillacs off our tax money. Anyway, so... Uh, Forty-five minutes away from uh, Los Angeles, Long Beach. Long Beach is a very pretty town that used to be a complete shithole, and it was a complete shithole when I first came out here at age twelve. The average from I think it was still. A, I think it was still a complete shithole last week too. What changed? Uh, a lot changed, asshole. It's called the future came. All right, things change. You can live in your Filipino hut and talk shit about real Americans all you want, but guess what? It's a fucking compound. <laughs> I got gates and walls and shit, motherfucker. You better watch out. Those monkeys will bite you, too. You got bodies hanging off of trees out there, too. You know, too. that's funny. It's funny that you say that. I have, I, I've been here for almost a decade. I have yet to see a fucking monkey here. Swear to God. Not even in the zoos. I have yet to see a fucking monkey here. I, I, you know, I thought it's fucking jungles and shit. There's monkeys everywhere. There's not. They I don't know what the fuck the deal is. Maybe they killed them all. 
know. They even have they even have uh, an eagle here called the uh, monkey eating eagle. But hey, you know, maybe the fucking eagles ate all the monkeys because I have yet to see one. Well, that that's absolutely fascinating, Colonel Kurtz. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for letting you know. About yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, Long Beach again used to be a complete shithole. If uh, you know the L.A. riots and Freedom Riders with that that white girl who played a white girl boy. Um, what's her face? Patsy Hearst. Nah, it wasn't Patsy Hearst. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds like it though. Uh, 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 Tilda Swint. No, no. What the hell is her name? She, she, million Dollar Baby Woman. Million Dollar oh, Baby yeah, Woman. I know okay. What you're talking about. Okay. Uh, Horsemouth Two. Ah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she did a whole thing, Freedom Riders, which is actually set in Long Beach. I said it actually at the high school, which is now. Uh, consider one of the best in the country. I don't know if the country went downhill or we went uphill, but anyway, um, country probably went downhill. Probably, but anyway, uh, Long Beach has been cleaned up a hell of a lot. But it used to be a showhole when I first came out here. It's a very nice city on the water. It used to be ghetto by the sea. Definitely not that anymore. Things have improved a hell of a lot in the last twenty years. And I do. It's a little bit of a part of the um, a time looter is sort of a love letter to this whole area because Seal Beach is the rich next door neighbor of Long Beach. They're right next to each other. They're not even like two minutes away. They're right across. Uh, Seal Beach is on the Orange County border. Long Beach is uh, Los Angeles County. And uh, a lot of the sites, the Queen Mary ship, uh, which is a beautiful old ocean liner that for whatever God knows what reason, in 1966, the city of Long Beach purchased and made into a hotel. You know, most of these old ocean liners, they got scrapped in the 60s because in the 60s, people hated anything old. So they used to get rid of all these old ships. But for whatever reason, Long Beach kept it. Uh, they made it into a hotel. Place kind of fell apart. Now it's back on its feet again. And uh, that's a major location, too, one part. Um... Seal Beach Main Street, which is, you know, a uh, little Iowa by the sea, May Mayberry by the sea that everyone knows. Uh, Main Street is a uh, beautiful uh, little uh, location. The pier of Seal Beach, which was put in back in the 30s by Roosevelt and his New Deal, because I think in Seal Beach back then was so broke they had to build a pier or something for money. And uh, that's there. That's a location as well. Uh, again, that whole area is uh, just full of... Uh, Irish bars and upscale restaurants, and the, the, the last of the true Irish dive bars in that location, uh, which will be, are there any cheap Irish hookers there? I'm sure there is at so one place. Yes, I'm sure there is, Todd, and you can indulge in your, your whoremongering all you want. Well, we got to get you know Linton Robinson up there so he can uh, give us the play-by-play. -play and uh, Linton Robinson will come uh, up know, here and be like, "This is a bunch of you know what this is? This is a bunch of pussy town. I don't like this jive." And then he just leaves. <laughs> yeah, there's a, where's the shootings? Where's where's the riots at the gas stations? Because what the weekends? He's gonna you go back to Duana. You do a pretty good imitation there. I, I you know I do uh, I do an imitation of you, Forbes. Oh, you and do? I do oh, one. What, what is it gonna be? Is it gonna be it, something like crafty? Or are you gonna be like, eh, I'm Forbes West. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, work, I'm working on it still. It's it's really it's like it's it's a it's a combination of you and Bill Burr. I think <laughs> you both have the same the same delivery, and uh, so I'm working on that right now. But uh, I, I it was interesting to hear you do an imitation of someone who didn't have a high squeaky uh, raccoon voice. <laughs> <laughs> All I know about this, Linton, you can't really do an impression of, except I just like well, this I guess a Linton Robinson invitation would just be like. Little low voiced, little grumpy, and then saying I didn't buy into any of that jive. 
That's about I'm it. I'm a grizzly old man. I live in Tijuana. I don't fuck the whores here anymore because <laughs> there ain't no whores here anymore. <laughs> the cop, told me, the cop told me there wasn't any whores. And also, uh, Mount St. Helens, by the way, you know, that was my first job. It killed off half the journalist staff, so I got a job. <laughs> <laughs> that was anyway. some crazy shit. If Linton actually listens to this, which I doubt, because Linton probably has better things to do with his life. Uh, we, we do love you, actually. He was one of the best guests we had He's on the like show. He's like 90 years old. He lives in Tijuana. He's got fuck all better to do. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he does, because he, he has like, he takes trips of uh, gringos down there to uh, <clears throat> indulge in the nightlife. So I don't know what that means exactly. He charges them. He charges them fifteen bucks a pop, and you know walks them by the fucking whorehouses, and then takes them over there to the fucking uh, uh, souvenir shop so they can get fleeced by the locals. And then he ushers them back across the border and says, "Get the fuck out! This is my country, motherfuckers." I, I think he probably sets up robberies of like young kids. Like he like promises them, like they you know, take them to like some whorehouse, and then like the whore robs them at gunpoint, and then like Clinton gets like half the money. If I'm being honest with you, if I'm being honest with you, I would probably do something just like that. Oh, just like that. Uh, and you're in the Philippines. Just like in the that. compound, well, not, right? here, not here. Not here. Yeah, and, I, and I have I have the invitation that you sent me to the Philippines in my email box. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't. I didn't mean here. He's like, come out. I didn't out. mean here. It would be it would be too difficult to do here. I mean, oh in Mexico. no. He's like, come on out. We got a new president. <laughs> Everything's cool now. <laughs> Bring me a half an ounce of weed. Wink, yeah. wink. <laughs> wink, wink. And if anyone's listening, especially anyone in the Filipino uh, Metro Police Intelligence, haha, <laughs> lol, jokes. Yeah. yeah was, they don't listen. They don't okay, listen. Okay, I want you to do that. Do an invitation to me. All right. Uh, hold on a second. Let me let me see if I can do this. I got, I gotta get warmed up here. Uh, hmm. He's looking at his soundboard. <laughs> 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 Let's see. Um, yeah. mm. <laughs> Actually, I could do it like that. Okay, yeah. Oh, Michael Bunker. Michael Bunker here, calling you from the winterlands of West Texas. Oh, jury. Why is your voice so high? What the fuck? He doesn't have a high voice. Yeah, he does. Listen to it. Kevin Costner mixing him with a Muppet. It's horrible. No, you're you're incorrect. Bunker has a deeper voice like this. Yeah, Bunker like this. has a deeper voice like this. Deep. Bunker. It's, I, got, I just want to tell y'all that, uh, you know, I'm just going to say that uh, you ain't going to get my lands, Jew Banks. My name, is, <laughs> my name is Michael Bunker. I've got cows. I got cows. I've got chicken. Come on out. Let's roast one. <laughs> hey, I'll, we, I'll roll you a cigar. We can drink some whiskey. We can drink Jew Banks. <laughs> I just gotta say, I there's this. I, I love you boys, and that uh, this is when we take that hill over in, uh, over near that town of Gettysburg. I, I think we all can be celebrated as true Virginians. We got to go find the gold in the Santa Annas. We got to. Go. None of that sounds anything like me. There is no yeah. racial bigotry here. There is no oh. racial. Uh, yeah, that's the closest I get. I gotta get, you know what? I'm no doing. Such, <laughs> by the way, it's no such thing. It's like settled science. Sorry, no such thing. Right, no such thing. <laughs> no such thing. Settled science. Science is ah! bullshit. You just have to learn that science is bullshit. And and that's a wrap. <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs> no, no, actually, that's a good point to end it. It's it's about an hour <laughs> done. So science is bullshit. That's what we learned. <laughs>
Um, <laughs> thank you, boys, for that's being our, on. That's our takeaway for the day. Science is bullshit. Fuck it all. Yeah. And by I the way, this for everyone listening to Time Looter is now on paperback as well as on Kindle. You can find that. It's in paperback, not on paperback. Oh, whatever. Oh, I well, I misspoke. All of a sudden, Todd is going to be a big man here. Oh, I'll show you. I'll show you how to talk and write. I know how to edit. Oh, I just put on the editing program of my MS Word and I put on a top hat. I know how to edit. Look at me. I edit things for a living. Hey, does it bother you that you consider the middleman of the literary world? You know that you're like below a pimp of the literary world? You're not even an agent. You're just another guy just kind of put his <laughs> actually, goddamn hand actually, up my skirt. Actually, you better watch your fucking mouth. Hey, you watch your mouth. How about that? <laughs> hey, so anyway, that's... I'm an agent to the stars. I'm a I'm, I'm big one, yeah. That's John Scalzi. I'm, a, I'm an agent to the stars. I, I'm a highfalutin agent to the stars, but I don't like celebrities getting in politics. That's why I vote Republican, and that's why I voted for Reagan, Trump, and Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that on that anti note. Shot across the bow. Shot fired! Shot fired! Shot fired! Look out! All right. There's gonna be a scathing review coming next. Holy shit! Oh. Who's the slimy little communist shit twinkle toe cocksucker down here who just signed his own death warrant? Exactly. The alt right is about to fry your balls, son. <laughs> and on that note, I think we are really done. But again, Time Looter, Amazon, Kindle, paperback. Also, Fenton Cooper can be found on Facebook looking at his Tostitos and his reflection. Uh, Fenton Cooper. Ah, you know what? Fenton Cooper, uh, shout out to him. Good gent. He's the one who let us uh, put his name on it. Yeah, good old Fenton. Good old friend. He is actually available for uh, motivational speaking events. If you would like to book his services, contact one of the three of us. We will charge you uh, $1,000 to $1,500, depending on the size of the venue and the number of people. Uh, to plus, be drinks. There. plus drinks. Uh, yeah, plus, plus drinks. Plus drinks, too. Yeah, plus drinks, yeah. Two drink minimum. Bar, so, um, two yeah. drink, three drink minimum. I think three drink, three drink minimum. minimum. A three drink uh, minimum. Also, top shelf liquor. For all those Howard Stern yeah. fans who oh, get that joke. None of that well crap. No well crap. No, it's got to be the top shelf liquor. Again, Howard Stern fans will get that joke. Top shelf liquor. Liquor. All right. Liquor. And then, yeah, Fenton Cooper, you can find him. And, uh, again, he's in Singapore right now in Little India uh, browsing through their 12 aisles of 3,000-mile-long um, knackeries and things like that. So Knackeries? What's a knackery? Hey, you go look it up, you fucking editor. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. And we're out. Bye. Bye. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Since this episode of Live at the Bimbo Inn is dealing with time travel, we thought we'd give you a sample of The Santa Ana Gold, which is a time travel short story by Michael Bunker. Please enjoy this short sample narrated by Alex Silver. If you like what you hear, you can find the audiobook on audible.com or on amazon.com. Just type in The Santa Ana Gold by Michael Bunker. I really did have a son. No matter what they tell you today, him gone and them acting all like he never did exist. My daughter's died young, car wreck, back before all this happened, and not long after their mama went away and then got the cancer and died. But, like I said, that was before I got put in here. 
The way it is now, it's like I never had any children at all. My boy was named Richard. Richard Henry Smalton. He was named after his great-uncle on his mother's side. He was born in early 1997, right on our big bed in the cottage down by the creek. We lived off the grid just north of the Santa Ana Mountains. Completely off the grid. No electricity or conveniences at all. Say that too loud nowadays and they'll lock you right up and throw away the key. Had our babies at home, too. We didn't get birth certificates or vaccinations or social security numbers because we don't believe in those things. That's our right. And we didn't feel like we needed to burden our children with government before they could make up their own minds what contracts they wanted to enter into and such. I didn't want my boy drafted into Uncle Sam's wars, so he grew up and lived the pure and good life like we all did, and no one was the wiser. I can tell you exactly when the story started, too, or when things changed, back before all this went sideways and I got put in here forever, or until I changed my mind. At least that's what they say. Live at the Benbow Inn with Forbes West, powered by Third Scribe and Auspicious Apparatus Press. Good morning, people. I just landed in your town. Good morning, people. I just landed in your town. Trying to find someone to love. Someone to help me settle down I've traveled the country over Stopped in each and every town I've traveled this country over Stopped in each and every town. 